The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled Conscious Contact. Am I alone in the universe? I know I'm supposed to pray, but how and for what and to whom? I prayed as a child with seemingly no results. What's different now? Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding effective ways to make conscious contact with God as we understand God and seeing concrete, positive results in our lives. Yes, so we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from a state of sort of floundering to one of well-being through the practice of prayer and meditation. So when I think about, we, we use the word floundering there, which uh, again is one of those things like at the time, I don't think I would have seen it, but looking back, I kind of do see mm-hmm. it. But what I distinctly remember, uh, and and you know, a lot of times I'll say, well, it used to be this way, and it still sometimes is. For this particular one, it's really not like this so much anymore. And I'm so very, very grateful because it was yes. very disturbing. What I'm talking about is just a general sense of feeling. The word I had is unmoored, yeah. right? So like a boat is tied to the dock and has some sense of connection. It's moored to the dock. So to be unmoored is sort of free-floating, like a, you know, like a hot air balloon with no tether and no sense of where is yes. this going. And that was a very uncomfortable feeling for me. And I generally had that feeling in life of being, I don't even know, you know, you'd think that maybe psychology kind of people 
know what that is. I don't know what it is. I just know what my experience of it was. And it was very uncomfortable and I did not like it. You know, it was very lonely uh, kind of thing. So that's what comes to mind first when I think about, you know, anything we might call floundering is um, just sort of going through life, free floating, almost disconnected in a way, not feeling grounded, I think, yeah. might be. not feeling, not feeling like any solid ground under my feet. Yes. Like it's always in motion or when it's not, it could be at any time. Yeah, I, I've had the very same feeling, you know, I had those types of feelings that untethered, um, not, I like how you said not having that groundedness, that ground of being that sort of base, you know, that home base, that feeling. Um, and for me, that meant, uh, you know, not having um, any kind of spiritual practice, not having um, a belief, not only not having a belief in God, but not having a belief in a benign universe. That was a big that was a big part of it for me was I was very sort of, um, oh, let's see, uh, I don't, not cynical, but just sort of this idea that it's sort of existential, like, ah, oh, there's no meaning to any of it. We're all just sort of here, you know, we work, we pay taxes, and then we die. There's nothing you yeah. know, bigger going on. It's all just uh-huh. sort of meaningless and purposeless and that kind of which I thought was a very intellectual um, way of seeing the world (laughs) right Um, and that was part of it too was having an only intellectual view of the world right I didn't have a spiritual view of the world and I sort of poo-pooed people who did you know that was sort of not you know oh yeah I didn't need that no that yeah, that wasn't very that it it was this idea that it was linked to being, you know, intellectual that intellectual people don't believe in those silly things, you know. That's right. We're and that smart. being smart and being intellectual meant that I lived in this sort of existential, you know, kind of angst all the time of just, you know, what is the meaning of it all? Very dramatic. <laughs> Well, it's telling that there is a phrase, existential angst. Right. Kind of go together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That that can't be a good thing. No. (laughs) But also, you know, the second thing that comes to mind is that I was in my head a lot. Yeah. Now, uh, we've talked about the Enneagram. I just taught it this past Sunday at church. And, uh, you know, my Enneagram type is a five and that's very much an idea-oriented, academic-y kind of uh, the observer, it's called, the academic. And so it's very natural for me to kind of live in the world of ideas and live in the yeah. world of my mind. Now, I know that just, you know, those of us in that triad in the Enneagram, we don't have a corner on that. Anyone can do it, right, right? and find themselves there. It's just sort of our go-to way. So, yeah, I was floundering and feeling unmoored and very much in my head and I can echo some of the things that you shared about, um, you know, anything related to spirituality, let alone religion, I would like, forget it. You know, it's stupid. I don't need that. (laughs) That's, you know, I I really didn't, I don't, I didn't really get in any way what it actually is. I had, I carried sort of a stereotype, a very inaccurate stereotype of what it meant to be a, a person of faith. And uh, so if people scoff at it today, which happens a lot, I totally get that. Yeah, I get it. 
I, I understand. I was there. And it's not like it's not like I just changed my mind about the same thing. It wasn't the same thing. I re I discovered something that had nothing to do with what I thought it was all about. Right. So it was a whole new thing that shifted me. I didn't change my mind about the same old thing. But yeah, floundering, being stuck in my head, had that kind of, you know, existential uh, view about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was quite nihilist. There's that funny quote from the that movie, The Big Lebowski, the dude drunk on a, passed out drunk on a float in the pool and uh, his friend announces, oh, he doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. And the dude says, oh, it must be exhausting. <laughs> and in a sense, it is exhausting. Being yeah. a nihilist. Right. Exhausting to live that way. Yeah, yeah. So that being untethered and unmoored for me meant that I lived in a lot of fear, a lot of worry, um, a lot of stress. You know, I think I've shared before that I had this sort of uh, kind of like fear that was always with me, a fear of being alone, fear of being alone in a house, fear of being in dark parking lots, just sort of this idea that something foreboding was going to happen. And I think it was it was I I I don't know exactly, but I think that it may have come largely from this sense of being alone in the world. Right this not having any spiritual belief you know if if i don't have any kind of spiritual belief any kind of god um on my side if i don't have this world view of a benign loving universe that is conspiring to support me then the opposite is that everything is out to get me right the world is a dangerous place a lonely place and of course there's plenty of evidence for that if we look around right i could find yeah. lots of evidence um, and so that's what I did was, you know, found a lot of evidence of why the world was scary and bad things were happening all around and bad things could happen to me. And so I lived in a lot of fear. Now I have to say that when I came to believe in a power greater than myself, that fear left me. Um, and it has for the most part, not returned in, you know, over 25 years and thank you God for that. And so yeah, that, really. that's why I think, that's why I think that that fear was really coming from that sense of aloneness in the universe, because once yes. I had that, the fear was gone. Yeah. I mean, I can totally see that. And as you shared, I'm reminded of this principle that, you know, when I first started hearing people say this or stuff like this, I thought that's the weirdest thing. What the heck is that? Yeah. What am I doing hanging around with all these weirdos <laughs> with their incense and all this other <laughs> stuff? That's... I knew I liked them, but I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> some of it, I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, honestly, some of it today, I still say that. But yeah. anyway, the the idea that I'm getting at is the universe is a mirror. Whatever I bring is what I get. Yeah. And if I know air quotes if i know that the universe is a hostile or indifferent place then that is exactly what i'm going to experience what I'm gonna see. but if i know that the universe uh, conspires to support me through some means that i don't understand mm -hmm. then that's what i find whatever mm -hmm. i am looking for is what i find whatever i bring is what i get yeah. and so by making that same shift that you described Mm -hmm. uh, everything about my experience in the world has changed over time because of 
my approach to it. Yeah. Now that is the that's impossible to describe or convince or whatever somebody who has you have to experience it. Yeah. You know, the cynical me from years ago would have dismissed that idea out of hand. Yeah. It's just some nonsense that someone's saying cuz they're stupid or they're trying to get some money from me. You know, some reason other than right. What right. they're saying is actually true. Yeah. Um, and, but I, so I didn't know it until I was honestly with uh, addiction backed into a corner. Like I have got to find a different approach to this thing we call life if I expect to live and yeah. certainly to live and thrive. And so I tried something that I hadn't tried before. And lo and behold, I started finding different things when I started yeah. bringing different things. The universe really is a mirror. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I think the other thing was that I found deep meaning, you know, I, I think one of the things I was suffering from was a lack of meaning, you know, um, what is it all for, you know, do you know, what am I even here for? What am I doing? What are we all doing? You know, it just, there was no, like, there was just no deep meaning to it. And once I found spirituality, that became my whole meaning, my whole purpose. So that everything that I do, I may not always be thinking about spiritual things all the time. You know, I'm a human being living in a material world. But um, underneath it, there is there's a deep meaning for me that I, you know, I do have some sense of why I'm here and what I'm supposed to be doing and what it's all for, so to speak, you know, and I think that that, I don't know whether everyone is like this or if it's a function of my personality, but that lack of meaning, that was the floundering, the real floundering for me, that was painful. And I believe that's a big part of what I drank over, what I smoked over, what I did a lot of behavior over was yeah, feeling like there's no meaning, you know, what the hell? And, and there may be some of us that are just like more prone to that than others. I'm not sure. But just, um, just smart ones. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the sort of it's like maybe we were like seekers without a path. You know what I mean? There was a, yes. a sense of seeking and yet there was we didn't have anything. And so. Um, that created that sense of meaninglessness, which was extremely painful for me. So uh, yeah. that was alleviated very quickly once, you know, it's like, I don't know, I, so, I got this stuff pretty quickly. Like I, from somebody who was such a cynic, I shifted pretty quickly into it's all about God, you know, I mean, it yeah. didn't take yeah. that long for me. It's like it was ready to happen. So it reminds me of a, what I think might have been a Calvin and Hobbes strip where he's talking to his dad. Cosmically speaking, does it really matter if I do my math homework? <laughs> you know, it's that kind of it's that kind of view. Yeah. But uh, let us shift gears here and move into the solution. It's always important to tell our stories, to share our experience, but then it's also important to move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution here? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principle or practice that we found helpful in moving out of that floundering so that we could live a life of true well-being is what really what is unity's fourth principle, which states, through prayer and meditation, we align our heart-mind with God. 
And as I always ask, well, that's nice, but what does this look like in my life exactly? I know I need practical tools. That's one reason why the recovery way of living has worked so well for me. I appreciate practical tools. So how do I go about practicing this? Help me Mm -hmm. make this practical. What does this mean? Well, I think it's very personal. I think there are a lot, a lot of different ways to do this. And there's a lot of different types of spiritual practice. And luckily, you know, in both unity and in the recovery movement or program, you know, we're very open to lots of different practices. There's no right way to do it. So um, I think exploring a lot of different things and finding what resonates and finding what works is, um, you know, that's what I did really. And at the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. I sort of just did a bunch of everything. You know, I, I prayed in different ways. I dabbled in meditation. Mm -hmm. I, you know, uh, went to lots of meetings. I ultimately found unity, which resonated for me. It's not for everyone. Um, but you know, it was just, and it was and continues to be a process of finding what works for me and what feels good for me and what what brings that meaning and that sense of conscious contact and that sense of connection to me. Now, you know, many years later, at this point in my life, I would say that, um, you know, a daily meditation practice uh, is the most important thing because really it's just about um, taking time away, you know, what's the phrase we use, come apart for a while, or, you know, that that taking taking time out from the human material existence, which is extremely compelling and uh, is capable of getting us completely caught up in, you know, if we, if we don't make that daily effort to maintain conscious contact, it's taking that time each day to remember that, yes, I'm a human being, I'm having this sometimes wonderful, sometimes crazy experience, but this isn't all there is. Let me spend a few moments in quiet remembering that this isn't all there is, whatever that looks like. You know, it could be prayer, it could be time in nature, it could be just sitting quietly, it could be any number of practices. It's whatever takes me out of my human ego existence and opens me up to something bigger. And I need to do that every, that's that conscious contact. You know, I need to do it in some way every day. Yeah, um, that that resonates for me. I know that uh, I had to find a way to kind of integrate this whole prayer and meditation thing into my life in general. So, for example, um, at some point I learned about what uh, what's called a walking meditation. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a practice that you'll find in Buddhist traditions and I'm sure many others. And I learned it at a meditation retreat. And the instructions were that you simply walk slowly Mm-hmm. With your attention, my attention's focused on like uh, the sensation on the bottom yeah. of my feet. Yeah. So, it's, you know, if a mindfulness meditation is breath focused, this was a, just a different kind of thing with a different kind of focus. And I thought, oh, I like this yeah. because I realized I can do this anywhere, anytime that I'm walking. I don't have to take my attention completely out of the world i could be walking in the grocery store and do this Mm -hmm. you know whenever it occurs to me so i have found that 
kind of practice very helpful. I also remember very well when the spiritual writer Eckhart Tolle, Enneagram 5, when Eckhart Tolle said very matter-of-factly, and I believe this completely, he, he defined a thing called a conscious breath. It's, it's what it sounds like. It's one inhale and one exhale, but I'm paying attention to the sensation. What is my experience of that single breath cycle? We call yeah. that a conscious breath. And he says, if all you do is take a conscious breath whenever it occurs to you, yeah. you don't put it on the calendar, you don't do it for a certain number of minutes. If you just did it whenever it occurs to you, it will change your life. Absolutely. And I know that that's true. Yeah. And I thought that's exactly the kind of prayer or meditation tool I need. Yeah. Because I need to keep returning to it, keep returning to it. For yeah. whatever reason, I, I can't, I'm not good maintaining like a sitting, a formal sitting uh, meditation. I've done it for, you know, on and off forever. And it just doesn't settle. And I don't know if that's because I'm willful or I'm not very good at it, or maybe it's just that it's true that one size doesn't fit all. I don't know. But what does fit for me is taking a conscious breath whenever it occurs to me, making any steps that I'm taking into a walking meditation ever so brief. It doesn't matter how long I do it. It's, It's not, there's nothing to achieve, right? There's no score and no goal. That's one of the hardest things for, yes. for newcomers, for us to wrap our head around, there is no goal yeah. for my meditation. Well, I thought I did it to feel better. Well, it sounds like you think that meditation will help you feel better. <laughs> okay. Uh, why don't you sit with that and see what unfolds for you over time? Yeah. Right? Anyway, so that that's what I found helpful, integrating it into my life in those simple everyday kind of ways that I can do anywhere, anytime that has been super helpful to me. Yeah. I love that because we really have to find what works for us. Now that doesn't mean that we don't challenge ourselves to do things that maybe aren't the most comfortable at first, but we ultimately we find what works for us. And I love that. I mean, I've heard, I've heard that, um, you know, that as a recommendation many times of they even make a little bracelet that'll buzz you like every hour or whatever, or now we have, you know, our phones and watches and stuff that can do us to remind us, you know, every hour to just stop and take that conscious breath. And um, sometimes we don't even realize that we've been sort of holding our breath or taking very shallow breaths. So even just stopping and taking, stopping and taking a few deep breaths, or even like you said, one, you know, um, a few slow, deep breaths can really reset our whole day, you know, and um, for me, it just, it's like, oh yeah, you know, for, like I said, it's a reminder that I'm not just this material being, I'm not just, you know, ego-based Michelle, you know, worried about what people think of me and what I look like and what a good job I'm doing on this, that, or the other, or worries if my house is clean or if I'm getting this or that done, that's all ego stuff, right? So I just need to take a break from that for just a few breaths or a few minutes or whatever it is, just get a break from that. Oh yeah. Okay. This is all fun. This is like earth's playground, but it's not the whole thing. I'm truly a spiritual being and, you know, I, I'm getting caught up in this human experience, and that's fine. That's what we're here for is to experience what that is. 
but it's that reminder to me, you know, that that um, that I'm a spiritual being that I can come back to this place of peace and calm within, even if just for a few moments. And it, it almost sounds too simple, right? Like, oh, we want to make everything complicated. Oh, it's got to be so much more complicated than that. I got to I got to have a special cushion and I got to sit in right. a certain way. And, you know, if you love all of that, go for it, you know, but it's not you know, meditation is so much simpler than we um, think it is. And I also don't buy these people that say, oh, you have to do it for 30 minutes twice a day. You know, if that rocks your boat, great. But the thing is, is so many people just won't do it at all then because that seems unattainable. So what I teach in my community is five minutes a day. If you can do more than that, great. If you can do five minutes two or three times a day, great. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but my commitment to myself is five minutes a day that I spend one time, one time. Yeah. If that's it. I I mean, like I say, often I do more than that and I love it, but if I don't, I don't, and it's okay. You know, it's not like, oh, I messed up or, oh, I didn't do a good job today. I try to not get caught up in that, you know? Um, if I meet my commitment to myself of five minutes a day, then that's having met my commitment. And I've been able to maintain that for many years. And it really has helped me so much, um, especially with stress and just with the yeah. busyness and craziness of life. Um, just it's, those few it's a minutes. Practice, it's right? a practice. It's a it's spiritual not a, practice. It's not a one and done. It's not a... You oh know, no, no! It's like the program. I've never graduated. No, yeah. Practice, and to me, the bottom line for it is that it, it helps me do what I've heard described as a cultivate the observer, like practice mm-hmm. noticing. That's it. I just yeah. practice noticing what's going on. Now I can use my breath to notice. I can use my bottom of my feet as I walk to notice. There are lots of things I could do. I could notice the thoughts in my head as if they were bubbles rising in mm-hmm. water, right? There's a lot I can do to notice. And that that cultivating the observer, all of a sudden, there's this Bible verse from First Thessalonians that made a whole lot more sense. There, the, the apostle there talks about pray without ceasing. Now, if prayer means I'm on my knees with my hands clasped and my head bowed and I'm, you know, mumbling or talking inside my head to God— What does it mean to pray without ceasing? That's impossible. It's a meaningless concept. So prayer must be more than that. I mean, it can include that, absolutely. But it's got to be more than just that. Yeah. And so, boom, I realize, oh, it's a way of being in the world. It's the choice to notice God's presence, if you will, if I want to use traditional language. Or, you know, the, the, the presence of the Christ in me, I notice when I take a moment to turn Mm -hmm. my attention and notice the pattern of my breath or what does it feel like sitting in this chair right now exactly and that kind of thing but let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break and when we come back we'll continue the conversation we hope that you'll please stay with us Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed. We are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Well, prior to the break, we were discussing first um, floundering, that what it was like before when we didn't have any kind of spiritual practice and that feeling untethered and unmoored. Then we moved into talking about prayer and meditation and, and what that looks like for us and different ways that we make that conscious contact. So let's talk now about how this practice of prayer and meditation helped us move out of floundering and into what we would call a life of pretty pretty well-being right certainly compared to before yeah tremendously changed into a life of what i could definitely call well-being uh first thing that comes to mind for me is that prayer has become kind of an oasis you know and well, we haven't said it yet but in the unity movement prayer and meditation are practically the same thing if they're not yeah. exactly the same they're right next to each other mm-hmm. they're contemplative practices right yeah. they're not right. um They're not kind of word prayers as much as experience prayers, which is a contemplative practice. Now, contemplative prayer has been around forever in a day since day one, since uh, the time of uh, Jesus, John the Baptist and all of that. It's always been there and it still is. And that's the way that we approach prayer and meditation here in the in the unity movement. So in that way, for me. Prayer is like an oasis. It's like a little break. You know, I used to smoke and just want to take a smoke break. I just want to put the world on pause for 10 minutes so that I can be okay. So it's like a prayer break almost, except it's invisible from the outside. And I don't smell like an ashtray when I'm done uh, praying. It's that phrase that you mentioned before, come apart for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, there was, there's a story in the gospels of, um, the disciples and Jesus being very busy doing something, lots of people around, lots going on. And, and, and Jesus says, you know, come apart for a while. Let's, let's separate from the crowd. Like let's get into more of a place of solitude and chill, basically, you know, relax. So in that way, for me, it's become an oasis. And if I can do that, if I can choose it, so I'll call it a, it's a decision that I make. If I can choose it whenever it occurs to me, again, there's no grade, there's no format, there's no score around this. I did good, I didn't do good. The practice is whenever it occurs to me to take a conscious breath, whenever it occurs to me to notice the bottom of my feet if I'm walking or what does my body feel like in the places where it's touching the chair that I'm sitting in, that's all I have to do. And it has become sort of a you know, spiritual smoke break. That's a weird phrase. I've never yeah, heard that before. It seems <laughs> maybe that's because it doesn't go together very well. But anybody who smoked knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it, it's sort of like a, a, a breath. Let me put the busyness of the world aside, even if only for a minute, a few moments, a breath, a few breaths or whatever. And it will exactly what Eckhart Tolle says will happen, has happened. It has changed my life. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was thinking that um, this is just my personal experience, but I use a lot of different types of prayer and meditation, a lot of them. And I believe that they are all valid and they all have, you know, a time and place and there's no right or wrong way. So, um, you know, early in recovery, I used more wordy prayers. You know, I used some of the prayers that we have in the big book and um, some of the prayers, you know, that we use in meetings and such. And um, that's fine. That was helpful for me in the beginning. And sometimes I like to revisit some of those because some of them have some really, um, you know, the very powerful language. And so for me, there there is a certain aspect of prayer that can be word oriented, you know, um, I can. Uh, it could be a prelude to a more contemplative practice, right? I might I might say a prayer or read a prayer or listen to a prayer being read that um, leads me into a more contemplative time. You know, and, and sometimes, not as often as or in my early days, but sometimes prayer for me is having an actual conversation with God, having, you know, it's just sure. sort of talking and a, Why not? Um, talking. Well, it helps me to talk through things. It helps me to feel connected. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on what I need at the time, you know, and, <clears throat> and I just say that because um, I know folks can get really caught up in, what's the right way to pray and sometimes in unity we even you even hear that kind of thing a little bit you know that well we use affirmative prayer you know and yes affirmative prayer is a method of prayer that we teach and it's a very powerful one and use it you know but i but my feeling is don't feel like you have to be only limited to that um it there may be times when that is the most powerful thing for you and there may be times when it's just not you know for me i have to be in a certain frame of mind for affirmative prayer to really have much meaning you know like if i'm in a really difficult place if i'm just really in a lot of pain or something i can't sit there and affirm my own wholeness and my own i, I can't i'm not it, i'm not feeling it and so it feels disingenuous to me there's been times when my most spiritual prayer was on my knees crying and just really, you know, asking for help, you know, help me, please. I can't, I can't do this myself. I, that, you know, so it was sort of a prayer of surrender. And um, I don't, in my personal opinion, that is not a lower consciousness prayer. For me, there are times when a surrender you know, sort of a giving up help, I can't do this myself, is a very high level prayer. It just, you know, I just say that for me, there are just so many different ways to make what we're calling conscious contact, you know, and um, so I just employ different things depending on the time and what I need and what feels right and what I'm intuitively led to do at that time. That's just me. Some people might have a very regular you know, practice that they do a certain way. But I I take the eclectic approach. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think there's value in, in every approach. And uh, each of us just needs to see what works. And, you know, what do we say? Take what you like and leave the rest behind. You know, uh, f find out what feels like it supports your program your recovery at this time because it could shift and change too and i also agree with you about staying out of the business of um, placing value on this way is better 
Yep. It's more, you know, what would it be? It's more spiritually mature or whatever. I think as yeah. soon as my head goes there, I have completely lost the thread yeah. of what it means to live a spiritual life or to live by spiritual principles. I'm mm-hmm. I'm off the rails at yeah. that point. Yeah. As soon as I feel the need to assess my way as better than your way, right. which uh, we know, especially in the program, just means your way makes me uncomfortable. Maybe I need to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real yeah, exactly. answer. So, yeah, I mean, a prayer of surrender is powerful because it is acknowledging the small I. Right. Me, the, the, the limited sense of self. Yeah. I am... expressing a willingness to let go. Now, if that's not perfectly in line with unity principles, I don't know what is. You know, we talk all the time about um, the, uh, you know, Christ consciousness versus sort of sense consciousness, you know, the, the divine mind versus my small M limited sense of self. Well, if I am, uh, willing in a very um, strong manner to say, I want to let go of this small M mind. I am welcoming divine mind. Yeah, That's uh, a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. And that might be something that those of us in recovery know, or it's an experience that we may have that maybe others don't. You know, if you haven't had your back up against the wall, like I suspect we all have, then, um, you know, you, it's a, you see a different universe than we do. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I never look down on anybody's spirituality, spiritual beliefs, no. practices. If anything, I would want to learn more yeah. about them. Like, that's fascinating. Can you tell me more about yeah. that? How does that work in your life? Yeah. Instead of, oh, you're doing it wrong. You should do it this way. No. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I need to learn something here. Maybe that's yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I love to just mix it up and try different things. You know, I, it's just maybe my personality or whatever. Um, just, just this could help somebody. I use an app and I'm not getting any kickback from these people. Maybe I should be. Um, I use insight timer myself. I've tried a few different apps and, um, that's the one I've found most helpful, but there are a number of sort of meditation apps. What I love about insight timer is it's not just meditation. There are also prayers and there are prayers from a number of different, um, spiritual backgrounds and such. So you can, you can scroll through everything they have, or you can search by, you know, you can look under Buddhism or Christianity or whatever. And, um, you know, like I say, there are prayers, there are meditations, there are, uh, guided visualizations, there's singing bowls, you know, sound meditation. And I just open up that app and do what I feel like doing that day. That's, that's not what I always do, but that's one, that's one thing that sort of takes the guesswork out of it for me, you know, because there's going to be days that I'm just not feeling it. And I'm like, okay, I just got to get this in. And I just open that up and I see what looks interesting to me that day. And I've come across some really cool things by doing that kind of exploration. I found things that I otherwise wouldn't have found um, by using that app. You know, you can try out mantras and just all different types of um, prayer and meditation. And I like to try different things. I find, and sometimes I find something I really like and I get on that for like weeks at a time. I'm just like 
every day doing the same one because it's so powerful. And then other times I shift and I feel like doing something different. And I just let that be okay for myself. That's worked for me in terms of um, keeping a steady practice. For me, the point is, is that I make conscious contact in some way every single day. <coughs> You know, and what it looks like is not as important as the cumulative effect of doing it every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit each. It's it's better to do it for a few minutes each day than to do it for two hours once a week. Exactly. Any any music teacher will tell you exactly the same thing. It's better to play your instrument for ten minutes a day than to do nothing and play it for two hours on on Saturday. Yeah. It's like yeah. building a muscle, right? It's building yeah. a habit. I also have that insight timer. In fact, I started to get distracted by it and I need to put my phone down now. <laughs> when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, that's right. It does have all this. It has a lot it. of good stuff. And I also don't get kickbacks for it or I don't have any content on there. We should. Maybe we should look into that. <laughs> hey, yeah. We we'll should have content on there. Um, so another thing that comes to mind about how prayer and meditations help me move into a uh, experience of well-being is it provides a focus point now i've said things that imply that but i just wanted to state it straight out it gives me a focus point it, it gives me a way to um to take a break to come apart for a while and have something to focus on yeah. it could be a lot of things but what's important for me is it has to be a thing you know, just because I could make a list of 10 things that would be wonderful uh, focus points for meditation, that's not doing the deal, right? That's talking about the deal. I need to pick one. <laughs> All right. And it may be true that a candle flame is wonderful and my breath is wonderful and, and, and the touch points in my body on my chair or my feet or whatever yeah. are wonderful. Or, you know, maybe I like incense or I have a, a blue bell or some music. Okay. Yes. Pick one, yeah, and then just do that. Yeah. So, so it provides a focus point for me. And uh, I had jotted down a note that I'm, and I'm kind of with you on this. Something fun to explore. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Why not just reach out, branch out? Maybe if you, it's a smartphone app. Maybe it's just my imagination. Maybe it's a book that I read or something that I hear somebody say or something I hear in a meeting or whatever. But um, you know, have some fun with it, knowing that God is everywhere always. Yeah. And there are probably an infinite number of ways that I can um, practice conscious contact. Why don't I try and see what happens? I can just mm -hmm. trust God. You know, if it's not right for me, that'll become clear very quickly. Yeah. All right. And then I move on to the next thing. But <clears throat> what does it say? Joy is the surest sign of the presence yes. of God. And we also know that God is love. You know, some people are afraid um, because they think, well, what if what if I'm concentrating on something bad, right, accidentally or what? Yeah. If, maybe I shouldn't do that. You'll know. I know. You know. You'll yeah. know. God is love. Is, is that what, where you're at? Then you're in the right place. Feeling any kind of sense of joy or lightness. Joy is the surest sign of the yeah. presence of the spirit. Yes, absolutely. Well. You know, the other thing for me, aside from just that time of coming apart and, you know, getting in a different mindset and releasing some of my attachment to the material world and taking some deep breaths and getting some sense of calm and peace. The other thing about prayer and meditation that's so important to me is that I seek guidance. 
I seek God's guidance all the time. You know, I learned this in the 12 step recovery program, the, you know, third step turned my will and my life over to the care of God. Um, that was such a huge thing for me and it worked so darn well that I just started doing it with everything, you know, and every now and then I forget, but for the most part, when I have a big decision to make or something coming up that I really want to make sure I'm doing, you know, the right thing or I'm on the right path or doing what's best, um, you know, I take that time to, um, consciously make contact and, to ask for guidance, you know, and that could look a lot of different ways. There's, there's a lot of different ways that I've done that as well. But, um, I feel a lot better about making a decision that greatly impacts my life and possibly impacts others when I've taken some time out to sit quietly, ask for guidance, you know, I may or may not get the guidance during that prayer session. Often I don't get anything immediately, but I know that I've taken the time to sort of plug into divine mind and that the whatever I am then guided to do afterwards, I know is a result of having done that. Does that make sense? Like I don't get, you oh, know, yeah. yes, Michelle, go right, go left. I mean, I don't get that kind of answer. But after I have spent time seeking guidance, then after that, later on, I will get those sort of nudgings or knowings or intuitive, you know, sort of, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I need to do. And, and when I've taken, when I've done my sort of due diligence, when I've taken the time to ask for guidance, then those nudgings that I get, I trust that they're coming from spirit. Yeah. It's not like a gumball machine. You put the quarter in and the gumball comes out. And if it doesn't, then it's broken. It's not like that at all. Yeah. It's more like a giving practice. Um, I'm talking about financial giving. I don't give and then go sit by the mailbox saying, okay, universe, you know, somebody told me, <laughs> that what, what was that hundredfold increase? Where yeah. is it? That's not how this works. It's, I change my way of showing up in the universe. And when I do that, my experience changes. Or as I like to say, so continuing down the, um, you know, the, the path, talking about prosperity and, and about giving, especially about financial giving. If, if I want to experience a generous universe, I have to show up as a generous presence in the universe. It's not a gumball machine. And it's the same with <laughs> prayer. And it's the same with um, seeking guidance, which I also do all the time. Yeah. And I learned about um, in, in spiritual growth workshop. I never even heard of that idea before. I had no idea that uh, there was even a concept of some kind of spiritual guidance from some, you know, sort of well, uh, endless well of wisdom from God, from the divine mind or, or collective consciousness or whatever. But I did learn, and it, it is reliable in, yeah. in the same way that, that giving is a, supports my prosperity. You know, I, I seek guidance. I may get an instant flash of a, an idea, concept. I don't hear a voice. Some people do. Um, I get an instinct, a gut feeling, a sense of joy, actually, is when I really know I'm on to something. Or something might happen at some other time in some other seemingly completely unrelated place. I'll realize, oh, wow, right, of course, this and it's not right when I was, you know, in my little formal practice. So yeah. it's, it's uh, again, it's like maybe like going to the gym. 
right? If I go to the gym on a regular basis, or at least I've heard, because I've never done that, <laughs> if I were to go to the gym on a regular basis, you know, I don't do it so that I'm strong walking out the door. Right. You know, I may be stronger walking out the door. I do it because I want to live a healthy life and feel good in my body in general. And it's yeah. kind of like this. I want to I want to live a God-centered life in general. Yeah. I want to seek and receive divine guidance in my life in general. And so what do I do? I undertake a practice of explicitly being open to that. And yeah. that's the kind, you know, one, that's one way of approaching prayer that we're looking for. In addition to just the, you know, sort of the core of the practice is just noticing. If I could pick one word, it's noticing. Noticing how it is with me right now. Noticing yeah. what's transpiring in my body. Literally, how, how does it feel? What is going on? Other than my endless mind chatter, what else is going on? Yeah. It, what 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 do I notice if I if I take a breath and decide I I'm gonna I'm gonna just sort of kick back and notice what's happening. Yeah. That's you know a lot of what it's all about. It's sort of like um, another way to think of it is like a checking in with myself. You know, it's like I spend so much of my life sort of running around doing all that needs to be done and sort of not real connected to myself, and that those moments <clears throat> that I spend in quiet time and contemplation it's sort of like oh hello there here i am you know it's it's checking in with god but god is of course within me so it's checking in with myself it's getting reconnected getting like you said um getting that awareness of what is going on i mean sometimes you know we may not even realize that uh something's happening in our body or there's a feeling that's sort of bubbling up and you know i'm out there doing all this stuff i'm disconnected from it i'm not I'm not tuned in. So that prayer and meditation is a sort of tuning in to, like you said, what's going on? What is it like with me right now? Oh, gosh, I didn't even realize my back was really hurting or I didn't realize I'm really tired. You know, that can happen, too. I yeah. didn't realize I'm you know tired what's coming or to I'm mind hungry. Or... Before we shift gears is that what you're saying is reminding me of anything that Thich Nhat Hanh has ever written. Yeah. You know, we talked about sort of coming home. Yes. Coming home to one's self, one's yep. true self, divine self. All, yep. all that you are sharing is reminding me of that. So if you're listening to this, just check out anything that Thich Nhat Hanh mm -hmm. has had to say. And it's all kind of pointing in this, uh, in this direction. Yep. So we've said a whole lot about this topic. Let's step back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it up. So, Reverend Michelle, uh, you always get to be the questionee. In a nutshell, if someone came to you and said, what are some simple tools I can use to help in my prayer and meditation practice? I feel like I don't know what I'm doing or I feel like I'm struggling. Give me something simple to do. Well, I, I mean, this would just be to restate what I've sort of been talking about this whole time is um, trying out different things and seeing which seeing what works, you know, or allowing your practice to be a sort of variety and eclectic practice where you do different things. Different things might work better on different days and let it all be okay. You know, always bearing in mind that there is no right way to pray, no right way to meditate. The, the the gift, the benefit of it comes from your intentionality, your, 
you know, your intention to spend time making conscious contact. So it doesn't even really matter what that practice looks like. It's that willingness to come apart for a while, to, to reconnect with the self, with the divine mind, with the presence, whatever it is to you, um, and get re acquainted with that and remembering what's important, what's true. Um, and, you know, and, and just, yeah, getting, getting that time, getting that little bit of distance from the material ego life that we spend so much of our existence in and just going, oh yeah, this isn't all there is, you know, there's, there's more, there's more going on here. There's this whole spiritual realm that I sometimes completely forget about. Let me get reacquainted with it for just a few moments so that's what i would recommend my answer is to just you know practice 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 or Mm -hmm. keep returning to it yeah no matter what happens that's fine that's cool just keep returning to it whatever it might be to your quiet time apart let it unfold for you don't give up and um, if possible sort of let go of preconceived notions about what it's supposed to be like i don't know how many times I have thought and and heard that like when I meditate, my mind is supposed to be silent. That's absolutely not true. It's never been true. I don't know where I got that idea, but we all seem to think that. No, let go of that. That's not the case at all. Just come apart for a while. Don't give up and, and take some quiet time apart. You know, and let it be just a real healing, wonderful, blessing time for yourself. You know, that would be my thing too. It's just let that be a healing, loving thing that you do for yourself. So here's our meditation for you to help you get grounded in this. I give myself the gift of time spent in conscious contact with the God of my understanding, and I am blessed. I am blessed. Yes. Well, it has happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we are grateful. You hope that you found something in all of our rabbiting on today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. That's what this is all about. Take what works for you and leave the rest. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Listeners, as always, you can connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead and drop us your comments and thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.